Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing non-accidental injury, saying the unsayable. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. All views and opinions of the speaker's own. Any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally and uh, for our second episode on non-accidental injury. Today we're, uh, we're going to be talking about saying the unsayable. Once again, I'm joined by Dr. Colin Gilhooley. Hello, Colin. Hello, pleasure to be here. Good. Uh, and so in the previous episode, we talked about sort of the red flags and how we're going to start as a clinician to think about uh, non-accidental injury, child abuse. Um, and you essentially said you always think it yep. and you always want to, to tick off and, uh, the uh, any, um, you know, uh, any of the worrying features and to start being happy with yourself that, that this yeah. isn't the case uh, so now we're moving on and I think this is something that I think is particularly challenging without experience and we're calling it mm-hmm. saying the unsayable and I'm thinking you're thinking it in your mind how do you even start to bring the subject up in front of a parent slash guardian slash carer yeah. uh, and this is a station I think that's used in a lot of OSCEs yeah. For this reason, I think, because it's something that comes with seniority, that comes with experience, and something that has to be handled well. Yeah, it's challenging, isn't it? Um, it's always challenging because essentially you are breaking bad news. So whether yeah. you're saying uh, a patient has cancer, yeah. a patient's going to die, telling uh, someone that you suspect that they or someone has hurt their child is incredibly challenging situation. Yeah. So I think the first thing is to recognise that it is. Not to shirk from it, but to actually say, this is difficult, therefore, before it comes up, I need to be aware of how I'm going to manage it. And like all those situations before that I've mentioned, an open and honest approach is far more important than anything else. Skirting around the side of an object uh, isn't helpful. If you're going to spend a lot of time talking around the edges of it then your point gets lost very quickly okay okay so i think being open and honest is the most important the second thing you need to bear in mind is that actually you have a legal responsibility when you suspect child abuse Mm -hmm. of any type Mm -hmm. to report it Mm -hmm. okay so you have to do it so this isn't you just doing something off your own back it is required Okay. That if you think that someone might have hurt a child in any way, mm. you must follow a set course of action. Sure. Okay. That gives you a schematic to work from. Okay. okay. Yeah. So when you go in there, you are not calling social services because you're malicious or you want to hurt anyone or upset them. You're calling them because you're required to do so. It's what your trust requires you to do. It's what the legal system requires you to do. The GMC, whatever, yeah. Everyone, okay? Absolutely. You suspect a child's hurt, so you need to go in and say, this, this and this, whatever they may be, so your child can't move yet and they have a bruise on their chest, your child can't move yet and has a broken leg. Whenever that situation happens, we have to think about whether someone has hurt this child, Mm -hmm. and therefore in that situation, Mm -hmm. we always do X, Y, and Z. Sure thing. Okay? Okay. So there, you're being very clear, but you're being very open. Sure. Okay? And you need to be clear and open about what's going to, why, why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, um, junior doctors listen to this podcast so I'm thinking you know you're, you're obviously a, you're a consultant now in, in, in pediatric yep. emergency medicine um, what 
level would you expect a doctor to start making this decision for themselves? Uh, what levels would you still expect them to come to talk to you so first? From the point of view of uh, child protection, I'm happy to discuss any... If I was working as a consultant in the paediatric emergency department mm-hmm. and someone expect, suspected uh, that a child had been abused in any way, it. I want to know about it. In the same way as I want to know about a sick child. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. There is no difference from that point of view. Um, because, like you've just said, it needs to be handled well. Mm. Uh, and that doesn't mean that a junior doctor can't handle it well. But actually, maybe having a conversation with me might allow us to kind of make a clear plan and approach. Sure. Okay? Sure. And then to be supported through that process. Sure. Um, because I think the key thing is, is that, it, yes, maybe it becomes easier with experience, but there's only one way to get experience. Yeah. Yeah? So you have to do it. But definitely, I would expect to know about it okay. if there was a child who okay. was suspected of child abuse. Cool. And sort of setting the scene, I mean, are you going to, you've taken the history, you've examined the child, are you going to mention it straight away, or are you going to go away, get so a chaperone, think, think, yeah, compose so yourself and then go back so in? I, I think composing yourself, coming out and having a clear plan mm. for what you're going to do is incredibly important. Mm. Like any good communication scenario involves doing it in a, in a focused way, mm-hmm. in the right environment, mm-hmm. okay, yep. with the right people present, okay? Sure. So whether you get someone like a nurse to go in with you, sure. making sure maybe someone's looking after the child and you take parents, carers, whoever's with the child uh, into a room just to sit down and just say, um, what your reasons are for why you suspect it mm. and therefore what you are required to do, sure. okay? Okay. Because like everything, this isn't, we, when you think someone's very sick, you're required to give them a set treatment course. Of course. When you suspect a child's been uh, abused, you need to follow a set plan. Okay. So um, when you, following the plan usually for breaking bad news, it usually follows a firing a warning shot. So this isn't good news, I'm afraid. Assessing their knowledge up to that point. Yeah. So what do you know? I've had a scan you were looking for a growth. Yes um, And then saying it in plain English. Unfortunately, it looks like you have cancer. Yeah, etc. So that's that usually that that way um, So if we use that sort of pattern of we're thinking about non-accidental injury and, and, and speaking to the parents guys and breaking that news Are you going to fire a warning shot? How are you going to approach it? Yeah. So I think um, it's a bit harder to fire a warning mm. shot because you're not saying I'm going to break bad news no. in the same, quite the same way. But I think saying there's something really important we need to talk about. Yeah. And that is whatever's happened to your child yeah. in the circumstances that we've heard of yeah. means we have to suspect that something may have happened to this child. Sure. In that situation, yeah. we as doctors, Mm. nurses, health professionals Mm. need to follow a set plan. And that plan is, starts with a phone call to social services. Okay. 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 And that is because your child cannot walk and has fractured a bone in their leg or, you know, something like that. Okay. As multiple linear bruises, 
across their lower back in an unusual position that you can't account for. Whatever the situation might be that has made you suspect it, lay it down why you suspect it and lay it down that when you do, you have to yeah. alert. Okay. Um, and then, so I suppose the other thing, you know, the, the thought that people are going to have in their mind is then you obviously even if you go through the most non-judgmental way possible and you're being very open, I have to do this, etc., etc. parents are going to think I'm being accused and they're going to react potentially in an unpredictable manner. So in, in your experience, obviously we can't go into too much into details, obviously, but as a general sort of uh, summary, how do parents react in that when, when you are starting, or guardians, etc., when, yeah. when you're starting to mention this? So they are obviously all, I would say, upset, but actually uh, most of them are upset. And if you are open and you explain why, mm. most of them understand that actually you're approaching this from the, from the same direction that they are, okay? Mm. Uh, most parents want the best for their children, mm. okay? Most doctors want the best for their patients. So mm. actually, um, if you say, I need to make sure that I do the best for your child and give them the best possible care, this is part of it. Mm. Uh, and then be very clear. It's not your job to judge, not your job in the emergency department to make this judgment. It's just your job to make sure that you do the absolute best for the child in front of you. Okay. And in the set of circumstances you've been given with, this is what needs to happen. Okay. okay. But parents generally, yes, they are upset. Um, but most, uh, vast majority don't become angry. Mm -hmm. Okay. And with a clear explanation of why you're doing it and what the next steps will be, mm -hmm. um, um, will respond uh, in an upset but reasonable fashion. Mm. Occasionally they become upset, mm. um, but that is actually the minority. Okay. Okay. And so they might be shocked. They might be. You yeah. Know. Okay. Okay. But there's often a lot of understanding. Mm. Okay. Um, mm. That actually, yeah, I, I kind of get it. You know, you're mm. you've got a job to do. Whatever you need to do. Okay. Have you ever been in the situation where the perpetrator might have been one of the, or in that group that you're having that discussion with? Yes. And what's that like? Um, challenging, but mm. the important thing is at that moment in time, you don't know any of that information, okay? Yeah. And you're not there to judge, okay? You no, are I know there. you're not, but you may have during the course of, you know, so this child has injured themselves while this guardian or parent mm -hmm. was responsible for them and it, yeah. it's becoming apparent as we're taking the history that that parent or guardian was off doing something else at that point so there may be so you may have one of the parents or guardians looking at the other one going you know potentially but I think in that situation it's important to, to stay professional remember that you are there to provide high level care for the child sure and regardless of what's happened to that child most parents of well all parents or carers love their child okay yeah. so even if someone has hurt or injured them that parent is still a victim as well because they've got an injured child yeah. and it's important not to forget that okay mm -hmm. and your job is to support that child and the parents around it okay. and that's kind of the challenge of paediatrics mm -hmm. and actually yes you've got to look into all of this and you can do all the professional stuff like that but yeah. you've still got to keep uh, yourself uh, clear level-headed mm -hmm. and make sure you look after everyone okay um, and then I suppose, is it, is it a similar format, I suppose, if something is disclosed to you? So yeah. say, even if it's not 
you know, some you know young person has come in complaining of a headache, and then whilst you're alone with them, has disclosed that there's some form of abuse going on, yep. and actually that's the reason they're here. Yeah. Are you following the same pattern again, just yep. saying this has been disclosed? Yeah. So I think it's important to think about the age of the child and uh, speak to them to ensure that you get them on side. And in those circumstances with the child, I will always say to them, anything you say to me is in confidence because I'm your doctor, mm. unless I'm worried that someone's hurting you mm. or anybody else. Because mm. as soon as someone's hurting a child or anybody else, that becomes a social care issue yeah. and it needs to be fully you investigated. You can't keep it to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Okay? So being upfront and honest and ensuring that you've done that early on is important okay? to make mm. sure you build a strong relationship mm. with the, uh, the child. Mm. Okay. As well as that, the other thing that's important is to guide parents, carers, child the, on the time frame of these things. So when sure. you refer to social care, that can often start quite a lengthy process. Yeah. Okay. Nothing happens quickly, does it? And being upfront about that, mm. so that they know that they're going to be mm. in hospital for uh, a long time or for hours or whatever, and it's not just going to be thirty minutes. Is really important. Okay. Yeah, sure. Because if they know all the information up front, mm. then it does make it easier. Okay. Otherwise, they feel that something's being kept from them, and as soon as you get into that environment, then things can escalate quite quickly. Sure. Okay. Um, so, what about sort of situations? So, I mean, I know uh, you know children and young people may not have the, the the same perspective on things. What if they're saying, "Oh, don't say anything; they'll hurt me," and, or you have worries about yourself? That I mean, we already talked in the previous podcast about the risk of escalation. Yeah. So, the risk so what what can we, you know? Oh, don't you know? He or she will hurt me if you if you mention it. So obviously, well, we have to mention it. So, what can we do about about that if we actually think about imminent danger? Well, I think so. At the moment, the child's in the emergency department and is around. So there's there's a degree, there's the child is at that moment in time safe. If the child's saying that to you, then it becomes clear that actually that child is not going to be is unlikely to be safe to go home to go home with those carers or the particular perpetrator of it. Sure, yeah. So therefore that information needs to be handed over to social care sure. so that they can provide their full assessment and make a plan yeah. that involves the child being left in a, in a place that is safe. Mm. So whether that's within a, uh, a short-term foster uh, placement with a family member in an environment where the perpetrator doesn't have access to that child, sure. whatever it might be, sure. if that's the information you've got, then you, you, you have a responsibility to make sure that that information sure. ensures that the child is put in a safe place. Okay. And um, and this, this social care, for, that's a 24-7? 24-7 thing, there is always uh, a duty social worker on call, sure. 24 hours a day, seven sure. days a week. Um, and um, there are obviously specific named doctors for safeguarding within your trust if you need advice. Um, and um, in hours in, in Nottingham, there is uh, a consultant on for child protection, uh, and out of hours, there's a paediatric registrar on call. Cool. I'd make it clear though that it's if you suspect it, mm. your job is to refer it to social services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to call the paediatrician. It's the job of the social services to then call the paediatric registrar or okay. the paediatrician on call for safeguarding sure. to make a plan for a full child protection sure. medical to be done. So you're the, the doctor in A&E, yep. you speak to social services, you yep. speak to the family, the social yep. services will come up with that plan, they will yep. speak to relevant people. Yep. That is not your job. Correct. 
Okay. okay. And then depending on the injury, you might need other specialties. Of course, yeah. So yeah. if you've got a fracture, etc. Burn, etc. Burn, plastics, etc. Great. Okay. Um, what about? So we're involving social services. Is there ever calls that we need to let the police know, or is that always through social services as well? So often, the police <coughs> may get involved through that. Obviously, depending on the the type of injury and how it's occurred, sure. Then. Um, yeah, the police uh, have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Um, we often, with the injuries we see, it needs a full assessment and a child protection medical to make a decision sure. on, and make a clear decision on whether it's a non-accidental injury, okay? Yeah. Um, but there are some things in which a child will have been so severely injured, mm-hmm. uh, even if you don't know why, that the police need to be involved for that matter, mm-hmm. okay? okay? So, you know, you think about, even in adults, a stab wound is an automatic referral to the police. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, significant injury um, where there might be life-changing events, the police normally want to know about them. Yeah. Sure. So I think if it's clear and obvious, you might have a history that might say that mum saw dad punch the child several times. Now, that child may need a um, child protection medical, sure. but there's a clear history mm. of someone being assaulted. Now, that's a police issue whether you're four years old or 40 years old. Yeah. So I think that's a slightly different kettle of fish. Certainly in children, anyone under 18, uh, where it's been raised and someone has stated that someone has harmed a child, yeah. uh, that is a police matter as well as a, a social care matter. Okay. And that would be through A&E, making that, that police call? Yeah. Okay. Great, okay. Um, and I suppose including in that then as well is not just our own patient, but with that social care referral saying there are other siblings available, yeah. uh, not available, present, who we would also have other issues yeah. with. The patient may have said, oh yes, the you know they also injure my, my brother or sister, etc." That needs to be mentioned as well, because Correct. it's not just our patient in front of us, it could be their siblings yeah. who are also there. So I think maybe in the department may still be at home. So I think when you're referring to social care, <laughs> It's incredibly important to be very clear. So this is like when we said we were talking to the, the parents, carers, whoever it might be. I said, be, be explicit. You need to be explicit with social care about what your worries are. So when you pick up the phone and you speak to them, you say, I have a child who can't walk or crawl who has a bruise. Mm. That can't be explained. I have no history of why it happened. Therefore, it needs to be investigated. Mm. I have a child of fracture, I have no history of why it happened, you need to come and see it. Or they're non-ambulant and they've got a fracture. Mm. Regardless of the story, actually, this needs to be fully investigated, mm. okay? And tell them why you've called them. Sometimes you can tell them a story, but you're not actually telling them exactly why you called them. So it's important you're clear mm. in your mind why you've called them and you get that information across. Like with any SBAR referral. Correct, yeah. okay? They will want to know the names and date of birth of everyone who lives in the house. Okay. So, before you go, make sure you've taken the names and dates of birth everyone who lives in the house. And relations and all that, yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's just some tips on making sure you've got the right information and that you're being very clear Mm. when you call them. Okay, okay. Um, And as you said, it's very, very rare, but what if you are encounter if you encounter some hostility what if there's some um absconding during the, the you know you said this is a long process what if the patient has gone 
or some of the relatives have gone during this during this process while we're waiting to hear back from social care any tips what, what okay we need so if to the patients then? absconded let's start there because that's probably quite an easy one yeah and you're worried about whether that child has been uh subject to child abuse so you're yeah. worried about them not being safe with yeah. the people who are looking after them yeah. then that's an easy decision then the police need to bring the child back cool okay. i thought that'd be a simple one yeah. give a description this is where they are this is their address yeah pick them up bring them back yeah uh, the second one about if you have hostility, uh, I think the few things to say are, I know that you want the best for your child, I want the best for your child, yeah. and in these circumstances I need to make sure that I have done my best, and I am required to do this by law, and to be very clear that you're not making an individual decision out of malice, but actually you are required to do this. This yeah. is a legal requirement on you, so you have to do it. Okay, because what you're trying to do is is explain. Just have a clear explanation. Okay, tell them actually. Parents, regardless of whether they hurt their child or not, generally love their kid and they want the best for them. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so it's important to to try and show that you actually are coming about this from the same way of wanting the best for the child. Mm-hmm. Okay, hard to argue with that. Yeah. Okay, uh, and the next thing is to make sure that when you went in there, you went in there with some support and in a safe place, okay? It's rare that people get that. They just, they're angry about the whole situation. Mm. They're frustrated by the whole situation. They're in an unfamiliar environment. Trying to um, relate to them and give them some control back is also incredibly important. So your simple things for how you de-escalate are incredibly important in this situation, okay? Give them some control, give them options. Yeah, would they like a drink or something to eat? Never offer them a drink, because that's a yes or no question. Offer them drink or food. Then they have to choose one or the other, but they still get to make a choice. Okay. Okay. Do they want a hot drink or a cold drink? Yeah. Okay? And when you offer them a cold drink, and automatically you give them the ability to answer three questions and have some control back. So simple de-escalating techniques for all situations are really Mm -hmm. important. Give people some control, because that's normally why they're escalating, because they feel the situation is out of their control. Sure. And I think just from thinking them from a legal point of view, because obviously they have parental responsibility for their child, can can we ever say, I want you out of my department, you're being obstructive, you're being abusive, etc. Can we do that? As, as, you know, so you it's a last resort, isn't it? Because actually you're trying to keep... Yeah. Um, you want to try and keep your relationship with family and carers going, um, because it is important. You're trying to keep the child relaxed, and even if you're worried about what has happened to that child generally with their parents or carers children feel more comfortable sure so it should be a last resort okay um but it is important that actually you consider the safety of yourself staff and all of the children within yeah. the department and if that is compromised or put at risk actually you need to uh restore that and make sure that safety is paramount for everyone mm. okay so if it's a situation where safety is being compromised for anyone mm. then you can um okay but you've got to understand that there are implications for doing so and use it as a last resort. Um, so do you have any um, resources in mind, anywhere we can signpost our listeners to for any further so information? We've covered it, the basics, but... Mentioned yeah. it on the last podcast, the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health um, has a, um, um, a huge amount of resources on their website that you can use. Um, um, there is also a lovely article, it's quite old now I think, uh, that was published in 
uh, I think it's the Journal of the American Family Physician, but it's about the child, it's the, about the approach uh, and management of child abuse. And it goes through the different types, tells you about the risk factors, talks about the different approach. It is an American one, so it tells you how to contact children's and family services, I think, as opposed to social care that we have here. Uh, but it gives you some useful tips and tips. Uh, and that's available online. So it's child abuse, uh, approach and management uh, from 2007. And who wrote it? Uh, Colleen Kelly, I think. Colleen Kelly. Cool. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. I think this is a challenging subject, but I think we've shown that you can handle it in a in a professional manner. Yeah. And hopefully, people having listened to this feel more confident, at least, in knowing the basics. And, and well, hopefully, it's at least made them think about it, Jamie, yeah. so they can think about how they would approach it. And if you think about it and you practice this before you do it, yeah. you'll be better because uh, practice makes permanent. If we think of it as rare and then we don't think about it, we miss yeah. it and then it becomes rarer, but it's yeah. still out there. Yeah. So it's that thing of you always have to have it at the front of your mind and be mm. thinking, is there anything that makes me suspicious? Mm. And the mo majority of time there will not be, okay? Um, but any time that you are, you need to work hard with your history so that you work out whether it's just a suspicion but actually things make sense or whether actually there's something that concerns you. And if there is, speak to someone, get yeah. some help and support and advice. Brilliant. As okay. I say, I prefer someone came, brought it up with me and talked to me than they didn't. Fantastic. Thank you so much once again, Colin. Thank you. Uh, that was the Take Orally Non-Accidental Injury Saying the Unsayable podcast. As ever, you can find the blog entry for, and the um, take visually for this podcast at www.takeorally.com. Remember, you can f uh, subscribe to Take Orally on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, you can find Take Orally on both Facebook and Twitter. For more information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine, and major trauma, you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter. <laughs>